I think people should have an advisor. We're not diving into the tactical decisions of like how you should reallocate your, do sell this stock or buy this bond, right? We're not going to that resolution, right? Because you're going to have someone, either a platform that does it for you or person. But the idea that these people, as good as they are, usually won't be able to give you the value on the more alternative stuff. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, as always, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here on another amazing interview with the one and only Litan. Yahav Litan, I say the one and only because I don't know how many people out there with a name like that. You got some, at least in the circles we run in, pretty yeah. unique. So good to have you on the show. Excited to kind of dive in and talk to you today and catch up. You and I can't even express how excited I am to be on this show with you. Like you're an amazing person, opinion leader in this world. And I'm just really excited and appreciate to have the chance to get on the show with you. How did we meet in the first place? How did you found me? So I don't know. You found me. I found you. I don't know. I found you. I think like a year and a half, two years ago. I reached out. I just clicked that. You had you used to have. I don't know if you had of it anymore. You used to have this like book a call, like a fifteen minute interview. Oh yeah. And I just clicked that, and then we just hit it off a few years ago, and that's really where it started. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I do still have that. So anyone who's listening to this, you just want to just jump on a call with me. Maybe you know, take a couple of weeks till you get on my calendar. But go for it. Happy to you know connect with new people all the time. And what you've built is also impressive. And I'm just excited to talk about that. And maybe give our listeners a little context. Who is Lee Tanyav, and how did you get started in real estate investing? Because obviously that's kind of a common denominator. You have a little bit of a different background than most people who come on this show or like active investors. You have, like I said, different background. Just love to hear where you got started. Yeah, for sure. So I'll give you a little background, just yeah. like context about me and like where I'm from. So I'm 40 years old, married, three kids. I was born in the States. Then when I was a child, we moved to Israel, far, far away. <laughs> Finished high school, got drafted in the military, which is mandatory in Israel, was served for six years in the Navy. Finished that, went to school and studied law and business, and then founded my last startup back in 2012, 2011, in a very weird industry, the diamond and jewelry industry. And what we did basically is we built a technology that enables the trade of diamond, of diamonds and jewelry around the world without physically shipping them. So it was hardware and software that you put a diamond in, it photographs it from many different angles creates a 3D image that then a diamond trader can just send the image without shipping the diamond. And wow. So we scaled that up. Very lucky to have an amazing team to build a standard in the industry and sold it back in 2015, stayed on for a few more years to manage and scale the company even more. In 2018, me and my co-founder, Tomer, who's also my co-founder in the current company, decided to move on. At that point, we we're about 250 employees about five offices around the world and basically photographing almost all the diamonds in the world. Today, it's the standard for diamond imagery. Wow. Now, we sold the company, we made money, we had a great exit, but it wasn't like a tens of millions of dollars exit. It was enough money for us to take a minute, decide what we want to do next. And so we traveled a bit and iterated some ideas. And obviously, we started to manage our money. This was seven years ago. And at that point, you can imagine like there's a lot of press around it and we were approached by wealth managers and financial advisors and like, all right, here's why don't you give us your money? Why don't you give us your money? We said, screw it. Let's just 
see what we can do on our own. And the cool thing in Israel is that every second person in Israel who has some spare money will invest in real estate abroad, right? Like we always joke about it. You throw a stone, you're going to hit someone that put 50,000 into a single family in Berlin or in Miami without ever seeing it, just like right. through a guy they know, right? And so we just started to do that. Our first investments were in two single family homes in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, which turned into a shit show. Like it was really, <laughs> these were really like $60,000 properties, not the best neighborhoods. Right. And even though we had a prop, we've never seen anything we've invested in today. Even those two single family homes, we didn't see them. We had a guy who found them for us. We had a property management company that managed it for us. Did you know they were in real? I mean, you verified that they existed and they were, actually had tenants well, in them? I mean, or? The people that who connected us to buying these properties were good friends of ours. Mm -hmm. That's basically our, like our methodology is only to invest with either good friends of ours or good friends of good friends of ours. Because mm. trust, like you said, like how do you even know the house exists? Yeah. Trust, it's the biggest issue and it's also the biggest barrier to enter, right? So that's like where we overcome that just by investing with people we know. Right. But that said, like market, like market can go like bad and we can also like make bad investments. But the thing is that we found investing personally, right? When we invested in these two single family homes, what hit us our exposure to risk in terms of these two doors is the two doors. Like one of them is empty, then we're losing 50%. Or if one of the houses has a problem, then we're screwed. And so like we only sold those two single families like a year ago. I mean, we only got magically got rid of them a year ago. But since those two investments, we've only invested in sort of like in multifamily syndications, but also ground up development, storage in the States and Europe. Anyway, so that's sort of like a long, we'll dive into that in a second. Yeah, so anyway, that was a learning experience. Yeah, we were starting to invest about seven years ago, slowly, slowly built a portfolio, which mainly consisted of real estate syndications, private equity, startups, crypto. And over the years, our spreadsheets became insane. And like we started to become slaves to our own spreadsheets and documents coming in every quarter and K1s every year. And right. it was like, it's good problems to have, right? Don't get me wrong, right? These are good problems to have, but there's still problems and we couldn't find a solution for. And like, we're tech founders. We're like, all right, so let's just build ourselves a solution. So we built ourselves a tool a platform to automate as much as this process as possible. That was about two, two and a half years ago. And at some point, a bunch of friends and family wanted to use it as well. Mm -hmm. And we're like, all right, wait, there might be a business here. And then we just started to speak with people like us around the world, mainly in the US, but around the world. And we found that at the end of the day, there are a lot of people, like, like millions of people like us, that have to choose between two alternatives using a spreadsheet or paying someone tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it for them. Because mm. when you look at the landscape, there are like 1500 budgeting apps in the US alone, right? Mint, personal capital and such. But once you add the more complex investments into the mix, you still need to maintain a spreadsheet on the side. And right. so like, I mean, I don't want to do that. So we found advisor a year and a half ago, like the company we founded and we're, we're running yeah. now, exactly to solve that pain point for us and people like us. And so that's sort of like the backstory of what led us to what we're building now. And obviously a lot of lessons learned throughout the process. We've invested over the years in about, I'd say 30 different deals with 11 different syndicators, operators, sponsors. The whole terminology, by the way, around operator, <laughs> sponsor, syndicator is like totally berserk, right? 
Right. A lot of them overlap and it's kind of hard to know who's what, who does what and what responsibilities they may have. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end, so like even when, when you invested from Israel into these operators in the US, it only hit us like a year or two into investing. It's like, right, these guys aren't the actual operators. These guys in Israel are the fundraisers, which mm-hmm. I mean, legitimate, like, all right, they give access to people like me to deals I don't have access to. That's cool. But then we started to reach out directly to the operators. And then that's like what we love doing now. I prefer to directly invest with an operator that I trust know mm-hmm. from other people that I've invested with, as opposed to investing through a fundraiser into that operator. That's personally for me. I mean, I'm not saying that fundraisers don't have a right to they, they have they do a, bring a lot of value because I mean they also vet deals for you and they'll vet sponsors. And right. I get all that. But for us, it's like we've done about eleven, we've gathered about eleven different operators that we invest with, different types of classes. Things have gone well. We've made mistakes. And yeah, so that's sort of the backstory about. Yeah. So it sounds like Visor was, just to clarify and reiterate that, it's something that the two of you, you and Tomer, your partner, were just using spreadsheets, dozens of spreadsheets, just trying to track everything, track all of your income, your investments, your K1s, your distributions, and everything like that. Now, there are some softwares out there where like investment management softwares, but they are usually like deal specific, right? Or sponsor specific. So if like you invest with one sponsor or one operator, right, you'll be able to access all, you know, you'll get all your data there. But still, if you're with multiple people, you got to track that and, and aggregate all that together. So you guys basically built this software on your own. And now at this point, you've branched it out to friends and family, to other people who are interested in using the same type of software. Like, where is it at now? Is it like legitimate, like ready to go? I can go on the Google, you know, Apple app store and find it and, you know, put all my investments in there. Like, where is it at now? Well, first of all, just to your point on the investment management software. Yeah. So there are about 30 companies that give service to the Mm -hmm. GPs or the operator to communicate with their LPs or investors, Right. right? That's the investor portal. And these softwares are built for the GP or the operator and as a byproduct for me as an investor. So if I'm invested with these 11 different operators, each of them might have a different investment portal and I'll have to log into each of them to understand my balance. And so what we're building advisors also, and this isn't operational yet, but it's still in the works, the ability to bring in all the investments from the different investor portals. So I don't have to log into each of them because my value is towards the LPs Essentially, I want to create a situation not just of that visibility of like tracking easily, but also helping people understand like where are people investing, which operators are they investing with, mm-hmm. apparently without any conflict of interest. Let me clarify that. So, what you're doing, you're bringing the data from everyone who is on Visor who is invested in deals, and you're bringing it anonymously. I'm assuming, but you're bringing the data from all these different sponsors or operators and real estate deals or private equity, whatever it is, and showing for the community, which deals, you know, perform, you know, the way they do. Yeah. I mean, in essence, yes, obviously there's privacy issues. Like if someone doesn't want to opt into sharing their information with the community, they don't Mm -hmm. have to, because obviously non-disclosure agreements and stuff like that. But yeah, once people opt into this, then people then be able to share their information anonymously with other people within the platform without any conflict of interest, right? Because this is all based on actual transactions in your bank account because we link in your bank account and we'll identify transactions and then update the performance of an investment based on actual mm-hmm. information, not just like what you tell. If you have a document you receive from the sponsor or operator, you'll just forward it or upload it into Visor. 
But then we analyze it and update it in your platforms, in your portal as well, so that everything is real, everything is actual, and everything is live. And that way, sort of, you get this, like, there's, the industry is just not transparent enough. Like, I've spoken with dozens of different operators. Some have even reached out to me on LinkedIn saying, hey, I have a deal, you want to <laughs> check it out? And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's hop on a call, just to humor me, all right? And so, and then I'll talk with these operators, these GPs, and I'll ask them, like, during the conversation, all right, can you give me some references to people that have invested with you? And they're like, yeah, for sure. Here are five people and they'll introduce me. But then, you know, I go, my thought process is, wait, but how do I know that you gave me the people that were in the bad deals? You're probably just giving me the guys that were in the good deals. I want to speak with the people that were in the bad deals as well. You're never going to connect with those people, right? And so any other spot operators are these huge operators that are like, they disclose everything and all the track record is public. But these guys are usually like the big guys that to access their fund, you need a minimum ticket pretty high or... Right. They already have like a thousand LPs and I don't want to invest with a thousand LPs. I want to invest with someone that has 10 LPs or 20 or 50 LPs. So that's sort of like the back about sort of that, right. that issue of the investment management software and where we see we trickle into that it, with regards to like where we're at. So yeah, so we, we launched a private beta mm -hmm. advisor about seven months ago with a very small group of sort of LP investors in the US that are in our situation to make sure we're building in the right direction. Two months ago, we launched a public version of that beta. So then anyone could basically sign up and play around it. It's fully operational. It's like one of the things that we value most, like, and this might sound like a cliche, but like we're all military people. Like I was six years in the Navy. My co-founder Tomer was six years in special forces in the Air Force. And, and all our team are like military people. Like we value security more than anything. And also like my information is in the platform. I want to make sure that I'm safe and I don't want to sleep well at night knowing right. that my customer's information is also safe. So everything is like super private and secure. And so we spend a lot of time on that. We actually pay hackers to try and hack us and see where we're vulnerable. Like we do whatever we can. So that's sort of like a security standpoint. But from a functional standpoint, yeah, so it's fully operational. You can sign up on your own advisor.co. You can add your assets. You can link accounts. You can upload documents. You can do whatever you want. Obviously, there's just still a mm -hmm. lot of things you want to add. To bring even more value. And it's also important to emphasize that like, we are charging for this, right? Because, you know, we really believe if you're not paying for the product, you are the product, right? And so we're charging for this product and service starting mm -hmm. probably middle of September. And we can dive into that as well, but we're going to charge a flat subscription fee. Right. So people know what they're paying for, what value they get. And so, yeah, so that's sort of like the platform itself and what we believe it's, it'll bring in terms of value. That's awesome. I think there's so many different ways to go with this and to grow. I mean, like you said, there are millions of people who are in your current situation out there who are investing in, you know, at least one or two investments of some kind, besides for stocks and the, you know, traditional thing. You have your Robinhood and all that kind of stuff. You can kind of track what's going on. But for private equity or for real estate investments, you don't have anything like that to be able to track and to aggregate that data. I think it's an amazing thing, especially when you're bringing LPs together. I like the idea of like kind of I don't know if it's exactly like gamifying it, but but seeing my real data, seeing like, oh, this uh, so-and-so investment company, uh, you know, invested in a 200 unit in Houston and they're bringing, you know, and they haven't given distributions yet for two years when they said they were supposed to, right? And the, from the first quarter. And I think it sort of opens up a whole philosophical question for us. It's like, I tend to sort of move from believing in net and generating more wealth and net worth to generating a more passive income. Mm -hmm. Like passive income is really, to me, what matters. And when it's passive income and the emphasis on the passive side of it, right? Because many passive income, I mean, is not passive at all yeah. in my mind. 
when you actively manage a rental property, that is not generating passive income in my mind, 100%. right? So and it's a spectrum. I'm not saying that that syndication is, as an LP is 100% passive because you need to vet the deal and you need to vet the sponsor. And, and then you can go and you can go to... And, and then you need to track your spreadsheets. Exactly. <laughs> So like one of the things that sort of, when you think about it, like when you reach that level where you're invested in multiple deals, five, six, 10, 15 of these investments that generate the income ongoing every quarter, like you forget what you invested, how much you invested. And one of the cool things we do is like when we link in your bank account, we'll identify transactions in your bank account or multiple bank accounts, and then automatically link each transaction to a specific investment so that... You don't have to remember, you don't have to look for it. We'll automatically raise a flag. Hey, your investment in this and this capital, well, it's performing more than you expected or less than you expected. Automatically. Like mm-hmm. it's like we're trying to keep the passive investing passive. That's sort of like the right. And also trying to be that place where you just throw everything at us. If you look at people that are worth like tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, like these people have their family offices to manage stuff for them, right? Right. And we want the that approach, right? I want to feel that I can just get an email, just forward it to Visor Secure Import. Boom, it's uploaded into my account, updated. I don't have to do anything. That's Mm -hmm. in addition to the past. That's awesome. That's great. And it makes a huge difference. I mean, talk about changing the game in terms of the financial advisors who give a pretty, unfortunately, I mean, a lot of them give a little bit of a bad name to the industry because, you know, if you're a financial advisor and charging like 1% of a person's net worth, on a yearly basis, right? I mean, that adds up over time. People don't realize that we're talking about that's on a yearly basis, which means over time, that's just going to compound regardless of whether you're making money or not. And without necessarily even, you know, keeping up with all the things that you want to be doing, meaning giving the sound investment advice. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have told me their financial advisors tell them that investing in real estate syndications is too risky. You know, like things like that. It just doesn't make sense. And obviously, you know, they may be incentivized for other reasons, but this sounds like not necessarily having an advisor. I mean, that, well, I don't know. Is it, is that a play on the name visor? Uh, (laughs) I just made that connection now. (laughs) Yeah. Visor basically sort of also advisor, but also sort of your visors that you put on and sort of like help you navigate. But listen, I think people should have an advisor. We're not diving into the tactical decisions of like how you should reallocate your, do you sell this stock or buy this bond, right? We're not going to that resolution, right? Because you're going to have someone, either a platform that does it for you or a person. But the idea that these people, as good as they are, usually won't be able to give you the value on the more alternative stuff, mm, right? And if they do, they can give you maybe access to a feeder fund to a huge like Apollo or BlackRock or Blackstone, right? But the smaller stuff, like, if you put money into a startup, they're not going to help you with that. Or if you put right. money into a syndication, they're not going to help you with that either. Even if you use a financial advisor or wealth manager, you still need to maintain it additionally. And then then it's on top of that $10,000 a year. Again, going back to terminology, yeah, like wealth manager, financial advisor, the term is like, what? <laughs> they do not do financial advice. Like They manage your public portfolio, right? Usually, unless you have a family office. They don't deal your like the holistic financial, usually, usually, I'm sure. Right, there are exceptions for sure. There are exceptions. There's always exceptions. But, but many times it's like, yeah, I mean, I've spoken with many financial advisors and wealth managers. And when I tell them about my situation, they're like, okay, well, I can help you with your retirement accounts and brokerage accounts. All the rest, I'm sorry, but I can't help you with. So, Because they have, they're incentivized to deal with, you know. 
to handle those accounts. Yeah, but and they also their knowledge is in those accounts. Right. So in most cases. In most cases. Correct. Yeah. Always full disclaimer. Yeah. Exactly. So what's interesting is, I mean, what you're saying totally rings true with me. And I actually just a few weeks ago or last week, the recording of this, I was at the GOB Network Conference in Chicago, and I actually moderated a panel about passive investing. And so the panelists, each one of them, there's four of them, have at least a couple dozen passive investments, like LP investments in real estate. And so we're just talking about you know, how to vet sponsors and how to, you know, find out what's a good deal. And and one of the things that came up was exactly this, which was how do you manage, you know, how passive is being a passive investor really? Because if you're like tracking all your spreadsheets, and then one of the panelists mentioned to me that he's, you know, very careful and cautious about security and doesn't like to even store any of his passwords online. So he has them, you know, separate. And so he's in 20 different of these investment management portals that he has to find the password for, you know, and log in. And it's time consuming. And it really does. You just kind of lose track at a certain point. And I think having a tool like this is just incredible. So I'm a big fan, obviously, you can tell. Uh, (laughs) We've been in discussions for, like you said, for a couple of years since, you know, when you started this. And it's pretty exciting to see a startup go from very early stages to, you know, pre-beta, beta, and then launching and God willing, it should go well and successful and, and get a great name in the industry. I you know definitely know myself would be useful and many, many people I know, and hopefully a lot of the listeners can find this useful. I want to ask you, you know, before we get into the final four, what's driving you? I mean, what's your why? You talked about passive investing, you talk about, you know, keeping it passive and building this company, which is kind of funny. You started with a, you know, a great company, you sold it off and then you know, kind of building something just for yourself and like, hmm, this is something that maybe benefit other people. Like, let's do it more. What's the end goal if there is one? And, you know, if you have like a why, as cliche yeah, as that might be. I mean, for me, I have an itch for inefficiencies. Like I hate when things aren't efficient and I even hate more when things are inefficient and there's a conflict of interest when people try to make them more efficient. And so I think that what we're trying to achieve here is like solving a lot of the inefficiency and bringing a lot of transparency mm-hmm. to an industry that doesn't have any. And so that's like what we're trying to build on. And like, we really believe in bringing as much value as we can to us and people like us without ever compromising that value. So that's what like the why, because we just believe that something like that doesn't exist for people like us. Yeah, I mean, that's really you know, that's the theme of every startup entrepreneur, right? Having, finding something that doesn't exist and bringing it to the market and adding value where people like yourself can, you know, can get value from it. Right. I just, on that point, I do think that many startups and I could, that's not a wrong thing to do, but they'll look for an opportunity because it's an opportunity. Gotcha. Try and make money off of that opportunity, which is not a bad thing, right? There's merit there. Just for me, where we're at, we just want to, solve a real problem, bring value. And because we bring so much value, it's worth money to people to pay for it so we can keep on building and bringing more value. Right. That's what, like the way we see it. But yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, like I said, it's an amazing thing. Love to see things come to like life like this. And I just want to transition now to what we call the final four. These are four questions. Get to know you a little better about, you know, some background. And first question is, what is the worst job that you ever had? <laughs> I'd say that when I was 16 or 17, that was the first and last time I ever worked as a waiter. And I remember I was taking a bill from a table and I swiped the credit card the wrong way. And at the end of the shift, I got 
like the boss got angry at me for doing that. I said, screw this. I'm not going to do this anymore. And I just left. (laughs) (laughs) We're just swiping the card the wrong way. (laughs) That seems pretty extreme. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh Um, man. That was just a few days. Like I only stayed on for a few, few days and I left. It's like, that's the worst job I ever had. Um, Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess I assume your time in the military was all peaches then. Well, I mean, it's not the worst time. I think the military <laughs> had some, like, I mean, we look retrospect at the military service. I think it gave me so much more than what it cost me mm-hmm. for life. For right? sure. It's like one of those places where you're educated to think about everything else other than yourself, which is, I think, a very important ability or characteristic that more people need to think about, not just themselves, but people around them. 100%. It's a great perspective to have. Second question, excuse me, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Yes. I mean, there's one book that I always recommend because it's the only book I've ever finished and immediately started reading again. I mean, listening to, right? Because I did an audible, which is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Mm -hmm. And it's just like one of those fun book to read. And it's also super, super informative. And there's so many like golden nuggets within it with sort of everything from negotiating with my kids to get out of bed and get ready for school to closing like a fundraising for a company. It's like anything in the middle is sort of like psychological aspects and stuff like that. That's sort of like one of the powerful books I've read. Yeah, that's an amazing book. And it's a very easy, very easy read. I mean, a lot of stories, a lot of anecdotes. Exactly. The psychology is just incredible. So that's an awesome book, guys. If you haven't checked that out, we'll put that in the show notes for you to look up. Third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? And this could be anything. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if it's a skill or talent, but I'd love to get more into meditation because I feel like stress in my life as you move forward in this world of investing and building a startup and family is just like exponentially grows and meditation I feel would help a lot with that. So I want the patience to meditate. I think that would be <laughs> it's a, like counterintuitively. Yeah, that's I think one of those things that yeah. I, I try to emphasize. Okay. There's definitely a lot out there. hundred percent. That's awesome. That's a great skill to have. It's not really like a skill or talent, but it's something, you know, to do, to focus on more. It really is a skill to be able to have the patience to meditate. It really is a skill. So fourth question, what does success mean to you? That's another great question. I think for me, success is like when you achieve that level of freedom where you can really do what you're passionate about, regardless of anything. I'd say success for me leads to freedom, but that's like a personal aspect. But from an external point, I think it's bringing value to as many people as possible. That's like the the outbound side of success in my world, in my mind. Yeah, I mean, and there's really there's one leads into the other, absolutely. So, you know, good for you. It's a great definition and great way to view the world and view life. Add value to others. That's really what it's all about. And you know, to be able to do whatever you can, having the financial success be able to do whatever you want, wherever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. Exactly. That's something that a lot of our guests say. Litan, it's been incredible talking to you, catching up. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? First of all, thank you so much, Yona. This has been amazing. Yes, reach out to me, Litan Advisor.co on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, like wherever. I'm pretty active on all those channels. All right. So we'll make sure to put that in the show notes for anyone else to check out Litan Advisor. And just to clarify, guys, Advisor is actually spelled V-Y-Z-E-R. Okay. So we've been talking about Advisor. You know, it's not spelled like the way you, the hat, you know, goes on your head, but V-Y-Z-E-R dot C-O. We'll put that in the show notes, everyone. Thank you again for joining us. It's really, really been awesome and appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Yona. And to our listeners, thank you guys for joining once again until the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. 
Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I wanna hear from you guys. So I wanna hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.